Um, so my guest this morning is Emily Orton, who's the co-founder of Darktrace. Darktrace is a company which uses machine learning for cybersecurity, including automated response to cyber attacks. The company was founded in 2013 and is now worth, I think, about a billion dollars. So you've done pretty well for yourselves. Uh, so Darktrace brought together a group of mathematicians from the University of Cambridge and cyber defense experts from various government agencies. So basically scholars and spies. Yes. So what was the expertise they both bought, and how did you combine them in Darktrace? Yeah, it was an interesting mix. Um, we are a, an AI company, so of course, um, critically, we're founded by mathematicians with expertise in machine learning, and Cambridge is a hub for that. Um, but they got together with a number of experts from government intelligence, people who'd been working in the security agencies, on the defensive and offensive side, and had real-world knowledge of how we were uh, dealing with uh, very sophisticated um, cyber attacks, mainly sort of against um, the national infrastructure, but also um, they had some responsibility for to making sure that you know, critical uh, infrastructure, including private sector, um, was um, protected. And that was a frustrating task um, for a number of them. Um, the tools that they had available to them were very limited uh, and really based around trying to keep threats off networks. And so a lot of the focus and the tools and products were helping them do that. And yet, um, increasingly, the situation was that these companies were infiltrated um, to severe um, extent. And these were usually known attacks, right? Types of attacks that had been seen already that experts were able to recognize? Well, actually, um, it was more difficult um, dealing with very sophisticated unknown attacks. Um, and so just coming back to kind of the founding story, you know, the machine learning experts trying to solve real-world problems using self-learning systems, and we've seen AI being talked about and applied to a number of arenas. But cybersecurity was a very um, specific challenge because um, we didn't know all the threats that were going to happen tomorrow, the day and they're after. they're constantly changing. They're constantly changing, absolutely. And so whilst you can, of course, um, pre-identify and do a lot of work um, in identifying attacks, predicting them, trying to stop them tomorrow, and that's still ongoing today, what was really challenging was when you had a very sophisticated advanced threat that's using completely different code, uh, something that's never going to turn up on an antivirus search, a new on threat intelligence. Or, of course, the other aspect is those uh, employees or legitimate people inside the network who are already in. That was really a tough challenge. So explain to us at a high level how Darktrace works, how it uses machine learning to counteract these threats. Sure. So um, we actually modeled the AI system that we built on the principles of the human immune system. Um, so to explain that a little, um, if you think about the way the human body defends itself continually, it's actually very, very uh, complex and advanced. Um, of course, we have a protective barrier. We have skin that uh, makes sure that we don't you know, get a sort of obvious um, threats or dirt into our systems, but we have internal threat all the time. Bacteria, virus gets in. We know that's a fact of life. Um, and that would be a problem if it weren't for our human immune system, which deals with that. It learns uh, what's part of my environment and what's different. And it's very, very sophisticated and adaptive and catches 
unknown viruses and bacteria and, and can deal with those. It, and a response is generated, you have antibodies, and it's, it's solved. Not a perfect system. We all get colds, and, and some of us fall ill very from true. time to time. But it's a very, very effective system overall. We wouldn't be able to survive without it. So we wanted to apply that principle using machine learning and actually taking AI algorithms that were designed not to look for a specific predefined notion of what malicious was, because we didn't know what that was, but rather to learn in, within the environment, uh, look at what's going on, and create what we call a pattern of life for uh, every device and for every user inside that organization. And that's an evolving pattern of life because we, we change behaviors and we, we're constantly adapting. And, and this ability to learn what we call self were, enabled um, our AI system to um, essentially identify deviations that were brand new and novel and, and then deal with that. So you learn what is currently normal behavior, and then you detect anomalies from that nor normal behavior. And your definition of normal is constantly evolving. That's what it seems like. Exactly. So how are the attacks themselves evolving? Like, which ones are getting more sophisticated? What completely new types of attacks are coming up? Well, it's, um, it's a broad picture. Um, you know, we have seen over the sort of 10, 15 years definitely an industrialization of the threat landscape and, and the sophistication, as I've mentioned. Um, I think we read a lot about um, data breaches and uh, you know, databases getting uh, stolen and sold on the dark web and monetized. Um, but we've moved on a lot um, from that kind of attack now, and they're getting more um, devious, and there's lots of motivations. Let me talk about a couple of them. Um, ransomware is obviously something that probably a lot of us have heard about with WannaCry last year happening and others since. And that's um, a very challenging attack type because it's happening so very quickly. Because um, it's mainly automated. Right. So the um, emergence of automated threats is a big worry. Um, 20 seconds and you can have a network down. You know, how do you deal with that? How does anyone respond quick enough? Um, and, and I heard that ransomware attacks are now attacking backups of data as well. So they yeah. not only encrypt the data that they're targeting, but the backup also. Right. So where do you go from there? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think with ransomware, it really is the tip of the iceberg in terms of what um, automation can do on the offensive side. And actually, ransomware is fairly uh, sort of quite easy to detect in some senses. It's, it, it triggers all the alarms. It's very, very weird behavior going on. Um, the problem is responding quick enough. We can talk about that later, but that's a real speed issue. I think um, what's really concerning is that the level of infiltration that companies have, the, the presence that they have from a foreign party that they don't understand, uh, which is there, has been there for a long time, but they don't know about. So I read in one of your reports that often you will uh, go into a company and they will discover that there's a third more devices on the network that they ever, ever even knew were there. Yes. Um, yeah, because um, the network has, has got much bigger. Um, and so the attack surface is absolutely massive. And yeah, absolutely, we go in and, and, and our system will automatically find out you know, what are the devices on the network. And we'll say, OK, so you have 10,000 devices on your network. And you can see that you know, the security officer has 
6,000 written down on his asset register. It's like, where are the other 4,000 coming from? These are big differences. Yes. And it's coming from the air conditioning unit, all of the printers, the Fitbits that have come into the office, the iPads, all this infrastructure, and it's affecting um, the way they do security. So you have new points of entry for hackers into a corporate network. Mm -hmm. So you had a couple of really interesting examples. Can you tell us about the famous fish tank? You a couple of okay. So <laughs> the fish tank's the one that sort of gets uh, the attention. I mean, who would have thought a fish tank would be, um, you know, uh, uh, used by an attacker? But the reality is, it's connected to the internet, so it's fair game. And it's a fairly good guess that that perhaps is a more vulnerable um, a device in the network. It's not protected with some of the more elementary protections that your laptops might be. Um, protected by, and in this case, um, the attacker was just using it as a stepping stone and wanted to get onto um, a, the corporate network, was looking at... And this, um, was, this was the corporate network of a casino, right? So there's a lot of money as well as data involved there. That's right. Um, and also a number of um, clients that perhaps would want to be confidential, that might be spending large amounts of money um, with, with the institution. So um, certainly very damaging reputationally for that organization. Um, and and it's, 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 um, it's a gift that's going to keep on giving for the attackers because there's so much out there. I'll give you another example which touches on the idea of a very stealthy attack as well. So we had, um, uh, it was a law firm and, and they had a um, number of conference rooms and what we found was some unusual behavior pertaining to a particular device. We said, hey, this, you, know, you might want to check this device. We think it's, it's behaving in a slightly weird way given what we know about it. Once they tracked it down, they found that it was actually the audio conferencing uh, unit within the boardroom. Uh, and we'd found that audio files were being sent out to a server that they didn't recognize, that we had no knowledge of. Um, obviously, race. Somebody <laughs> was listening in on these board meetings in the law. Right, so someone had some very confidential meeting uh, information audio, in audio files. And the clever thing was that they were actually sending those files very slowly. They weren't so it wasn't sending very noticeable. Right, so they wanted to be under the radar. There was very much deliberate attempt to make sure that this wasn't a sudden big spike in exfiltration, but it was slowly done to deliberately to evade uh, their, their existing systems. And actually talking about law firms, one of the things you told me in the prep call, which hadn't occurred to me, was that law, law firms are often seen as a target to get to the data of their clients. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, supply chain uh, overall is, um, is, is very vulnerable because you've got all these links and you only need one weak link to, to you know, affect the whole system. Um, law firms, um, but other agencies providing services to perhaps a more mature organization that would have better defenses, they're going to be targeted and used. And even for things like um, competitive insights, and we've seen um, economic espionage um, now happening. Much easier to do it in the cyberspace than try and send in a mole and try and grab that particular. Yeah, you just dossier. listen to the audio on the, in the boardroom, and then right. you're done. Yeah. Um, what about new forms of attack? I know the crypto hacking is a new one the last year yeah. or two. Yeah, we did some we did some research actually, and and you know there are. 5,000 deployments of, of what we call the enterprise immune system, our technology. And we actually looked into what kind of things it was finding. Um, about 25% of our customer base had um, signs of cryptocurrency mining. Wow. So this is where, where we know Bitcoin mining is very lucrative. Um, but in order to do that very fast and, and, to, and to get those Bitcoin and other alternative currencies, you need computing power. 
Okay, so if you're running a small operation, unless you have, you know, seriously invested, um, you're going to be pretty limited. And so what attackers are doing is they're going into companies, often banks, and actually hijacking computing power um, in order to mine for Bitcoin. Uh, and the crazy thing is these things can be going on for months on end without the organization actually realizing. Uh, and they're continuing to do their jobs every day. They're going into the office, but actually a, a significant part of their computing power is being taken, which is obviously costing them money. But more worrying is they have you know, several um, you know, presences in their network um, and you know, who knows what they're going to do in the future, and that's obviously a massive compromise. Of well, why banks? That's a bit of an ironic one, considering that, you know, they manage money and yeah. people are stealing their infrastructure. Yeah, and, uh, and I should say, it does happen to, you know, at the end of the day, computers are computers, and they're going to be able to do this. But um, one of the, you know, we, we certainly have um, uh, instances of, of banking infrastructures um, where, you know, these are big, uh, big networks. Okay. So to expropriate perhaps a part of it, um, is more likely to go unseen, perhaps, than in a smaller organization. Makes sense. And you had one instance, I think, in a European bank where somebody had buried a device underneath the floorboards in the server room or something like that? Yeah, I this. mean, we, I could literally go on all day about the sort of things we've found. But yeah, um, that was um, someone who'd actually physically um, uh, plugged in a server and actually put it under the, the floorboards. And, and we took a while with the customer because we sort of said, we're sure this device exists because we can see the activity. And they were like, no, no, that, that, that doesn't exist. It wasn't a legitimate uh, device. And they'd actually, it was plugged into the server room. Mad. Um, another form of attack that we discussed was also related to financial services, uh, attacks on data integrity, which mm -hmm. is another one that I hadn't thought of before. Yeah. Yeah, this comes back to this idea of the, the sophistication. And depending on your motivation, you might not be after a quick monetary gain, but actually want to do more long-term impact, you know, and clearly at the, at the sophisticated state-sponsored end, you know, we've, we've heard a lot about um, uh, the um, eroding of confidence in systems, and even to the point of democratic systems and, and, and voting. Um, uh, and I think that's the real worry for a chief security officer today. Um, what if you're not taking anything? but just changing a few um, elements of data within a large data set. Um, if you're a bank and you have bank, bank balances, <laughs> which you will, um, and 100 of them get changed, but you don't know which 100. Yeah. Well, how do you deal with that situation? Which is almost as good as the whole thing being changed. Right. Because you don't the know whole which system gets with. impacted. Healthcare is a massive one. In the US, there's been a number of um, uh, threats in this area. Uh, and again, the idea that healthcare company could um, continue to you know, uh, sell patient care um, whilst not knowing whether their blood type data is accurate or test results are accurate. Well, this, is, this is systemic uh, damage. It's long-term damage. Um, and it, it should be sort of very high on our priority list. Well, you can certainly see for a bank, I mean, that could completely take down a bank if people lose confidence in, in the fact that their, their data about their money is being managed properly. Absolutely. It's, it's essentially an attack on trust. And it can be, um, the, the effect is going to be large on kind of populations if particular countries are, are attacked. And even um, uh, we're seeing it in the, in the criminal space as well. We had um, an example of um, 
a uh, manufacturer and they had um, some, a physical premises that was um, protected by biometric scanners so that only privileged personnel were able to enter, enter and actually have access to the machinery. Makes good sense and, and you know, they, they took this seriously. Um, but in their case, um, that device was compromised. Someone had got on the corporate network, had compromised the actual biometric scanner and changed data. They so changed someone else could basically access the facility. Exactly. So they, they'd actually taken off fingerprint data uh, that was legitimately stored there to recognize privileged uh, personnel and replaced it presumably with their own. That's pretty scary. It is pretty scary. Um, tell me about Darktrace and Tagina, which yeah. is your automated response prod, uh, product, which allows you to automatically respond to attacks like ransomware. Yeah, well, this is really exciting. This is a new category of AI. It's called autonomous response. So we talk about autonomous cars. Um, we all know about um, the, the idea of, of autonomous systems, but I think nowhere more perhaps pertinent for this is in cybersecurity, where uh, if you can't uh, respond at computer speed to an attack that's using AI and is, is running at computer speed, then you know, you're going to lose that battle. So it's been really important that we automate more uh, and we automate the response side. And so what Darktrace has done is developed in the last couple of years um, we call it anti-gena, and what that's doing is it's saying, I know this is a high severity threat, I have very high confidence that this is threatening is going to potentially cause you damage, and I'm going to generate a response to that, and that's entirely autonomous. So you could be, you know, driving home for the weekend, you could be asleep in your bed, and that machine is going to know the appropriate response to so, take. So what kind of actions can it take? So, for example, ransomware is a big one at the moment, um, and for that, it would identify um, the uh, connections that that piece of malware is making and actually forcibly drop them. What it's actually doing, the way it works, is it because it knows the pattern of life. It knows this device normally behaves in this way. You normally you know, use your computer in this way. It just enforces that. It says everything that's normal, oh, okay. I'm going to enforce, I'm going to allow. And anything that's outside of that, um, I'm going to... I'm going to stop. And I might temporarily stop it. So it doesn't like completely shut down access to the server or the machine or whatever. No, and that's, uh, that's absolutely critical. Oh, okay. Um, because no business wants to no. be disrupted. Um, no, no CEO wants to get into the office and can't access their emails. So it's really important that this doesn't disrupt day-to-day -day business. This is about essentially buying your security team time. You know, you've got humans against machines, and you need to buy them time and use a machine to do that response in the, in the first phase. So this is similar, really, to what your credit card company does if you go off and make a really unusual purchase. It might block, well, in that case, it blocks the card entirely, so you can't use it. So this is more flexible. Yeah, it's more flexible, and it also it's customizable. So you might say, look, I'm really worried about insider threat. If any of my employees you know, breaches, breaches you know, their pattern of life, I'm really worried about that. Other companies might say, I I'm, I'm happy to you know, um, look at that manually. This is, I want to start on uh, particular malwares that are, that are very fast moving. So it's very customizable. And it's interesting because you know, this is the frontier of cyber defense letting machines take actions without you being there is a big step. And so we realized when we developed it that we needed to create new features that allowed people to build go on that trust. journey in stages. 
um, and actually build trust in the machine. And I think this applies with all AI where you know, we're stepping into an autonomous vehicle. I'm not yeah. sure if I do that right now because I'm not sure my trust is high enough. Yeah. And so with our customers, we were very much found that they needed to build trust. And so we, we built a mobile app and we said, we're going to tell you the response what we action we're going to take. Okay. But you're going to say, okay. And you're going to say, yep, I'm okay with results. So I'm still saving you time, but you're able to manually validate that. And over a period of time, what, you, what, what we discovered is, of course, they built trust that the system was taking the right decisions. Uh, and they got to the point where they actually then wanted to switch it on into active mode, where instead of saying, do you want to do this? It would say, we've done this. Are you happy with this? So it's okay. just shifting that dial very slowly. And you said that uh, it takes generally about three months for this process to happen within the companies that you have seen use the product. Typically, yeah, I mean, it, it does really depend. I think a few months is quite typical for a company to want to wanna do that. That said, after WannaCry happened, a lot of people switched it on quite much sooner, right? Because that happened on a Friday evening and, you know, they're thinking, well, when's that going to happen next? You know, I'm not, you know, I've got to have my mobile phone. And, and the problem is you need to respond in two seconds. Anti-Gina responds on average in two seconds. And that's the kind of speeds we need to be moving towards if we're really going to against uh, a fight AI, AI. against AI. Right. All right. So thank you very much to everybody and to Emily for the very interesting conversation. And we hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.